What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back. This is not the final cut. You know us, you love us. I am your host, Greg Susie, and joining me, of course, is your co-host, Sam Brown. What's going on, Sam? What's good, everybody? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. I'll be seeing you, what, tomorrow night? Circa uh, yeah, I believe we're leaving at 3. Your, your hosting team will be together tomorrow. Maybe we can try to do some sort of live pod or something or other for your for you guys so yeah we'll see see what we can get done other than that what else is going on anything anything fun how was your weekend did you have a good good fourth of july oh pretty good um yeah i saw my niece which is always fun i love seeing her yeah it was just kind of relaxing listen to music you know have a cookout i made like 12 burgers which if any audience i don't know if you've ever made smash burgers but soon I'll be blasting off to space on the most powerful rocket ever built, traveling inside the Orion spacecraft for NASA's Artemis One mission. It's going around the moon before returning back to Earth. We have a surprise that, third guest. Hang on, did that come through? Yes. I mean, I heard it. I don't know. have to leave that in. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Did you hear what this thing just said to me? It's talking about space. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to leave that in for everybody to hear. Alexa's plans to go to space. Oh, I said it again. I don't know if anyone in the audience ever has ever made smash burgers, but uh, when you get pretty deep into it, the sizzling burns your arms. So that was rough, but it's fun to do. Very cool. Very. I don't think I've ever made smash burgers. I made Hawaiian burgers, which is literally just a burger with pineapple on it. But alrighty, so that's good. That's awesome. I was up at a uh, a lake this past weekend, so that was pretty fun. Also had time to rewatch a few movies i rewatched everything everywhere all at once because i hadn't seen it you know since uh theaters gave that a rewatch and then i watched interstellar again because that is probably my favorite movie ever nice uh, i do like interstellar a lot i don't know if i mentioned it comes at night last time i think i had already watched it by last episode you and i were texting about that after okay. the episode i believe that's what okay. that's what you probably remember uh, the night of the episode, I watched It Follows, um, which involves cut content that you guys will not know about. So there's the the not real context behind that. Uh, I rewatched uh, Les Mis, which I do not like, but there's a YouTube channel and they sell commentary tracks called Pretty Much It. And they uh, have a commentary track for uh, Les Mis that I think is very funny. So I watched it with the commentary track, and I think it makes a movie that I hate very funny and very watchable. Uh, very funny. And I also rewatched House on Haunted Hill, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Nice, very cool. Yeah, I um, I almost also watched It Follows after that episode, and then I was gonna, I was going to watch it, but then I heard the episode, and I was like, well, this is useless because the whole thing we talked about with It Follows is cut out. Yeah, that's my that's my uh my fault. It's all right. I'm not we'll gonna leave... get into it, but yeah, we'll leave the mystery. Yeah, yeah. The joke just just didn't land, and it's okay. Post production's a magical place. Exactly. I can say whatever I want here. I have the power <laughs> to cut it out, or you do. All right, so uh, we can get into it here. Uh, we're gonna be doing no no games today. Just something you know, Sam and I wanted to talk about. It's uh, a, a a love letter to movies, if you will. Uh, a lot of people I know 
when I say like, oh, I, I love movies, or like I'm constantly quoting movies, people don't get exactly why. They're like, how do you get to be like such a? Because I don't even say like I'm a buff. I don't like watch to critique all the time. I'm not like some like reviewer like all these critics that you like whoever these magical critics are, wherever these guys come from, how they get a career and like actually critiquing movies where their opinions matter. Mm-hmm. Don't know how you get there. I'm, I'm not one of those. But... Yeah, I'm not one of those people and like obviously yeah you're not yet someday yeah uh, possibly but i think this is just a good space for us to kind of say like you know how did we get from like a babies to then people who just like start somehow someday you watched a movie and then you got just really into movies as a thing and a thing that you can have fun doing even though you're just sitting there watching something like how much that that could mean to you and like what it could pull out of you emotionally and and, and otherwise i think that's the uh but I'm, what I'm trying to get to from this point in the episode, we didn't conference much about this. So maybe you're going a totally different angle. Who knows? It's similar. It's it's the same idea. I think um, from what we very briefly discussed before the episode, I might be going a little bit later in my life. Uh, I, I said to you before the show, uh, I have a dog shit memory. I just have a really awful memory. So I can't really remember like when I was like 12, what movies I was watching, but more recently i have things that yeah whatever we'll get into it i i could tell you what what i was watching when i was 12 from from roughly 11 to 15 you were obsessed with quentin tarantino yeah i can't say that most of our hilton head trips in the early years and i believe we first went we were like 11 or 12 i was 11 when we first went you loved quentin tarantino hey i know that much quentin tarantino is a great way for people to find uh different more obscure and artistic movies because of how much like homage he pays to them for sure yeah and i'm and i'm gonna be paying some homage to him on on yeah. my uh it's not a list it's more of a, a grouping of certain groupings mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll get into that if we can uh we can jump right in here uh if you want to you can kick us off with some direction and then i can try to bounce because again my list is it's not really a list. I, again, I have sort of a grouping here of different categories. And then on, in each category, I'm kind of going to speak on the different points in my life. Like you say, you're not going to go too deep in a young time, but like, I'm going to say like maybe something I saw at a younger age, and then maybe something that I latched onto more as an adult or when I was actually taking my film courses in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I may have lied a little bit, slightly. Um, okay. The first one is when I was very young, I started watching it and it is a um, not a specific movie, but a style of movies uh, and it's holiday movies, including and especially Home Alone. Uh, I started watching when I was very young and it's not like I wasn't like, oh, brilliant blocking and pacing in this movie or whatever. It was yeah. just those were the movies, Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Elf, you know, whatever. Uh, those were the movies where I realized I really enjoy watching movies. The The action of sitting down and watching a movie is fun to me. So that was something I put. It's it's not very um, in-depth. It's just, I, I think I just, that was the first time I remember having fun watching movies. So, okay, this is perfect, actually. One thing, I love that answer. I didn't have anything holiday on here, but you are so right with that. I think that was that even showed like when when we watched Home Alone together. I mentioned this last episode. I'm mentioning it again. Mm-hmm. Some unbelievable this came up organically twice. But you and I watching Home Alone literally in the summertime, just laughing at like how ridiculous certain stuff was, and like even that was that was fun. And we were older, but 
to bounce off of you talking about youth and then just more generally having fun, I had two categories that I can mention now just quickly because you brought that up. And this actually knocks out quite a bit of, of the movies I had in this top half of my little notes page here. So the category is movies that made it feel fun to watch them. Just I just had a great time watching them, almost like being on a roller coaster. It was just fun to be involved in this entire viewing time that I had. Um, one would be Back to the Future, another is Jurassic Park, and another is Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know if you concur with any of those, but even like to this day, I think that's why, and I have a friend, Ted, who would attest to this, but movies that I quote, I mean, I quote all movies, as you know, but more than any others, Back to the Future, Pirates of the Caribbean, and probably Harry Potter, mm-hmm. which leads me into my next category that that ties into this as well, is movies that can take you to another world, like physically. And I yeah. think fan- fantasy is obviously one that does that. And I threw on here Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and Pirates as well. So mm-hmm. movies that just, again, take you elsewhere. They're super fun to watch, especially as a child, when you kind of have like just that super whimsical imagination. Um, I think that I really was just transported in a way where I thought I was getting my Hogwarts letter. I thought I was going to ride a DeLorean, you know all that all that fun stuff that just really yeah. came to life for me and and brought me into what movies could do uh so specifically with pirates of the caribbean uh there was a certain trip that you visited me that in our like lives has kind of become infamous uh it's the 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 amfam trip where uh paul was <laughs> yeah. your guardian for the week yeah. for the week <laughs> um that whole trip i specifically remember you quoting pirates of the caribbean the entire time and i don't remember i don't remember exactly which i think i do actually it's um he says something about scrunchily or something like that there's something i scrunchily exactly you were saying that the whole week fish vice yeah yep i still i went to visit uh, my friend ted in seattle and we we may have said that exact quote sam each of us at least 20 times for no no reason at all i mean it's just it's very on brand for those of you listening that know me i'm sure you're probably getting a little chuckle right now um but yeah and then the other time i'm famously misquoted just by saying the wrong name in back to the future and derek completely he he had it so quick and i was i was impressed i was i was like that's that's awesome yeah that's i'll wrap up my little like long spiel there You, you can yeah no you can you can go right ahead. Uh, I do also, I'm going a little bit chronologically, but it is also a um, uh, a category thing like you, like you said you're doing. When I was maybe 10, actually it was when I was 10, I was in fifth grade, um, at my friend's house, he got a hand-me-down iPod from his brother. And his brother had a short film, a German short film on his iPod called Balance. My friend showed me that. This is uh, my buddy that you uh, don't like very much. No, oh, um, come on. I like him. We had, we had a Nerf argument when we were 10. Let's not hang our hats on that. Uh, they were arguing about a $10,000 Nerf prize. He, so he showed me this short film, Balance. It's a German short film. I think it may have won the Oscar in 1989 for um, animated short film or something. I don't know, something. And I watched that in his room and I was like, this is, I kind of realized that 
uh, animation specifically, but short films, films are like art. <laughs> and 10 feels like too old of an age to me to realize that. But I think that is... Uh, in my memory, the the thing that made me like this is like cool, like this is art. Yeah, <laughs> you could real. put this short totally. film in a gallery. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, just yeah, a- animation. I totally get. I had a category for animation. So again, I don't want to. There's some I want to spend more time on. And again, leading in like the fun movies and the worlds, and now animation because you had mentioned it. Um, I'll just bring up three. Like, because again, I was raised with disney big time i still love disney to this day i think especially picks i mean all disney's like golden age just take anything out of the 90s but then also anything pixar has done and i think three that i I just thought of that like made animation really stand out to me would be lion just ones that i remember watching and, and being really like again sucked in by would be lion king hercules and toy story um, and I think the cool, the cool thing too, is like to see the, in terms of like the artisanal nature of it and like how artistic it is mm-hmm. when you watch particularly the toy story series and you go through like toy story one, two, three, and four, and then you see like, regardless how you feel about the story or the characters or anything, if you look at the animation in toy story four, I mean, it's just so damn impressive how just crystal clear, like everything looks so incredible in that, in that movie. Yeah. I, I, um, as someone who is much less of a fan than you are of those, I do very much see your perspective. And I I under I like I get it. I think it's interesting because I that kind of segues into the next one I was gonna talk about. Because in high school I took humanities and uh humanities was basically just watching movies and talking about the movies uh at my high school. And about halfway through the year we we're told by the teacher that we're going to watch um, Beauty and the Beast. And obviously the version I know of Beauty and the Beast is the one that I'm sure most people would think of right away is the animated Disney uh, Beauty and the Beast. And I'm not high on Disney. <laughs> I'm uh, it's not really for me. So I was kind of like, Oh God, I have to sit through Beauty and the Beast for three classes. And then she said, it's not the Beauty and the Beast that you're thinking of probably. Uh, this is a, a French version of Beauty and the Beast from the 1940s. And as a junior, senior, sophomore, whatever I was, I don't remember, in high school, I was like, oh, brother. Oh, my God. Um, but it was Jean Cocteau's La Belle at La Bette. Uh, it's an unbelievable movie. It's so good. And for me to have such low expectations because I knew the story of Beauty and the Beast and I didn't like it. And I wasn't into, I wasn't into uh, uh, like foreign movies at the time yet. Uh, I very much am now. And then to be blown away the way it was for that movie. It's, I was like, I need to watch things that I think I wouldn't like. I need to expand my horizons very much. That's a great, great point about watching stuff you wouldn't watch. Was that your first <clears throat> international film? Uh, I'm sure it wasn't my first. It's the first one. I mean, unless you're counting like uh, Martin McDonough in Bruges, uh, which is Irish made. Um, it's the first one, the first non-English language film that I can think of that I watched that I like was uh, affected by. 
blown away. Interesting. So it definitely opened up a can of worms. You said that was in high school or middle school? Uh, high school. Yeah, so I was kind of late to that party too. I don't have anything about an international on my list, but given that you mentioned that, I feel like I should mention it. First one I ever saw was in one of my college classes. It was International Cultures, Film and Literature was the was the name of the class. So naturally, it was mm-hmm. a lot of international film. I think the first one I watched was City of God. Oh, yeah. Um, very, like, just incredible movie. Um, what what uh, school did you say this was? High school or middle? This was Penn State. This oh, oh, college. Fresh, I, freshman I'm, year. I'm, yeah, I didn't, I never, like, thought to even watch. And, and talk about a movie that made you want to watch more foreign stuff. That was one of them. Lahane, which I watched. Love another, that movie which I watched in another class also did that for me. And then on my own, I watched Parasite uh, arguably because I was exposed to stuff freshman year that was from mm-hmm. other countries. Um, so just a quick note to kind of piggyback off of you with that. Cause I didn't have any of those mentioned um, um, really, really briefly. Um, when did you see uh, Lahan? I watched that after city of God city. So I watched city of God my freshman year. And then I watched Lahane spring semester my sophomore year so like 2020 or maybe fall 21 fall junior year fall 21 and uh, again I, I already mentioned this i have awful memory have we talked about that movie like yeah on air off air whatever we have we okay, talked we, have. we talked about it on the podcast you did okay. most of the talking because i know you really you really love that movie yeah um i mentioned the same thing i'm mentioning now probably that it just it really opened up a world to me and like how that it was well shot like kind of the themes we took from it i think we talked about that on our first episode actually because we did endings it's my favorite ending of all time yeah incredible so yeah we had mentioned it and i think you and i have maybe talked about it in like one one visit since then mm-hmm. um but shifting gears here uh i'll get into one i'm i'm kind of deeper in my categories now because again my first one was kind of general and then the animation and international was more of just piggybacks but i'd say writing is something that i really have and i'm sure you appreciate a ton being that you are currently majoring in journalism and would like to be a journalist in i'm assuming the movie space maybe even all spaces just because you have an appreciation for writing and good writing in general yeah um but this is something that i took to a lot later i remember i'm gonna split this Again, by movie, but then also by age within each movie, or one of them at least. Because I'm going to start with Pulp Fiction. I saw Pulp Fiction a little bit younger, high school age, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. It was really awesome movie, a lot of action. Like, they told, like, four stories at once and then connected them all. I thought that was, it was I was like, oh, that was so, that was so awesome. Like, woohoo, Tarantino, and I kind of got into him mm-hmm. after that. Then I watched it again when I was older and I understood why people say he's like a master of dialogue because the way he like can literally just build a scene in that movie with the script alone is incredible. Yeah. I mean, the, sh- the shots and everything, like that's all great too. Like it, I'm not going to take anything away from it by crediting the writing, mm-hmm. but the dialogue and the monologues, everything in that movie is just so perfect that mm-hmm. I really took to it at an older age. Uh, one that you might not think I'd mention here is when Harry met Sally. I think the comedic timing in that movie is great. I think it's very simple. It's there's not much like over the top to that, but I I love how all uh, Billy Crystal's lines are written. 
you're smiling. Do you disagree? No, I, I agree. I'm smiling because I, I was thinking uh, it's directed by one of the two directors that makes every movie. <laughs> Rob Reiner or Ron Howard. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I I really think the writing in that was was great and kind of tells the story in a way that it could have been just like just another cheesy rom-com if it wasn't so well written. So I think yeah. that's why it separates in that category alone. And then one you might disagree with because I don't think you like this movie as much as I do, but La La Land, I mean... I am a big Damien Chazelle fan. He's obviously, I don't, he just directed that, but the writing and that, that whole screenplay to me is, is just really good. The way those characters interact, the arcs, everything that goes on in that movie is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen it all the way through, so I can't say whether what? I like it or not. <laughs> I've seen a Samuel. lot of scenes, but yeah. Uh, no. Pulp Fiction, the, the dialogue in Pulp Fiction, it's interesting you bring up because um for those who don't know i'm a massive seinfeld fan and this is going to be a, a, a wacky comparison but one of the things i like about seinfeld is the show about nothing style that it's just kind of people like doing whatever uh and pulp fiction is really really good at having them talk about nothing like they're not saying anything and it's um like you get their personality from it. And I totally. really love that style of writing. That was a much better analysis than just praising it. <laughs> but that was, yeah, that's that's very accurate that you can derive their personality. And again, like I said, also, suspense is built just in mm-hmm. the conversation. And like the whole scene. Jesus Christ. The, the, like the, the, what? I just kicked my, kicked my desk. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, the whole scene where he's in there, like Julius is in there grilling the guys for mm-hmm. taking something from Marcellus Wallace. Right. I think the entire dynamic of that scene is built through the dialogue. Him him being so overbearing. And like for you almost like I forget that he even has a gun or like any of that. It's all mm-hmm. his verbiage and how he makes them see so seem so small and measly. And then you pair that with how they're blocked with him in the scene. Everybody's lower. It's just he gets like a couple hero shots on like slightly up angle. It's just, it's unbelievable that yeah. that whole scene, the dialogue, especially. So that's it for me on writing. I'll let you take over. I, uh, I just, I had to kind of give a nod to when I really realized that writing was, was so important. This is where I start to get a little different in my approach. Um, this is a little bit more specific, but I, really hated horror movies for most of my life. I liked kids horror. I liked Courage the Cowardly Dog, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, whatever. So I always kind of had the um, the the groundwork laid, but I was really scared of movies. And then when I was 16, it kind of just snapped to where I was like, this isn't real. Why would I be scared of this? And the movie that I saw that like... I was like, maybe I love horror is uh, Robert Eggers is the witch and watching that movie. Very good movie. Very good movie. Watching that movie and the tension and the suspense build, uh, which then um, later I would watch an older movie, The Thing, which I think is the greatest movie of all time at building tension. Uh, But uh, The Witch, it was that like the, the build to a climax where 
maybe it's a little boring the first time you watch it, but it gives you this feeling of like something's gonna happen, and it's like your your heart's bump, your heart's beating, and um, yeah, and the uh, the climax is is certainly a, a good payoff in my opinion. I love that movie. Yeah, so that's the that's the movie that really got me into horror. Very nice. Does this predate so? Does that predate or post-date our uh, Insidious watching when we went? It, it was well after Insidious. Well I after was that. still okay. very afraid of. I said we were probably only, we were probably only like thirteen or fourteen years old. Yeah. Uh, for for any listeners out there, we might have talked about this before, but Sam and I were on the couch alone, in a very dark basement, watching Insidious Chapter Two, and just got scared absolutely shitless and ran upstairs about thirty minutes into the movie. <laughs> I know the exact scene that. Oh that yeah, scared when she it. slaps her in the face. That Don't was just you hor- dare! Horrifying, horrifying. Oh man, that that was great though. Yeah, the witch. That's a good call. That's definitely personal to you. I think that's a great theme for this episode. To just kind of like again, just what what just what was that one thing that kind of and that for you that unlocked the whole genre. I think that's so cool. Yeah, your favorite genre, which is the funny part. That's that's yes. the, that's the kicker of all that that i didn't like till i was 16 that's so crazy to me yeah um i will move themes uh for my little strategy here and we talked about writing now i'll go to the visual we'll talk about shots uh we did a whole shots episode so i'm not going to get in like what types of shots were you like if you want to hear all that go listen to our episode literally just called all caps shots 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 mm-hmm. um everybody yeah, uh, john yeah but movies that I and again, so to talk about my age here through all of this, I didn't really think about how a movie was shot or any of that until late high school. And then really when I got into those film classes in college where I, I started to notice things more, I found like I always found stuff cool. I was like, oh, that looked cool, but never like really digested what that was doing for me in context of the story and everything else. Three movies that I just want to throw out there right now that I didn't I try to do this just off the dome very quick because then that to me is the most authentic of what actually resonates with you long term. Because if you try to sit there and think about it, it might not be something that actually sat with you more and like is truly at forefront of mind in your head. I have The Godfather, I have Fight Club, and I have Saving Private Ryan. I saw all of these movies before I was 16 17 and i honestly would say it's like i saw them again when mm-hmm. i really was paying attention to how certain scenes were shot and what where characters were in frame how wide was the frame where was it moving all of those things and what that did for what was happening in the scene and to talk about one maybe just the phone like the or the when the train is is going through and Al Pacino is killing that guy in the Godfather in the restaurant. How they just get closer and closer with each cut to each guy. And then the train gets louder. Like that just, that scene was special the second time watching that movie. And then saving private Ryan, obviously Normandy. Like I just, I never saw war shot like that the first time even. So that did something. But then many, many scenes after that, just with the, the swells of music in that movie too, to be overlaid on top of the shots. I mean, like, this is where when I again early college time when I rewatch these camera work really moved me. Mm-hmm. Like I've I was always moved by characters and I'll get I'll get into that soon. But 
camera work started to actually even add something substantial when I was in like my late teens, early twenties. Yeah. Like I'm still um, in my early twenties, but earlier twenties. <laughs> uh, Fight Club, uh, I haven't seen in a couple years, but I do distinctly remember having the feeling of like the blocking and framing is so color too. To, color, color, color yeah, too. Exactly. Uh, is so important to like the characters and what they're like feeling at any certain any given time. Um, and that actually might be one of the earliest times I realized that as well. Uh, I don't specifically remember, but um, I do remember thinking that. And I watched Fight Club probably earlier than I should have. Yeah, yeah. I think we watched probably a lot of movies earlier than we should have, but yeah, that's all right. We still, I think we turned out okay. For my next one, after I saw The Witch and I, my mind was opened to um, horror uh, between sixteen and eighteen. It was like all I watched. I was trying to catch up on like the the life lifetime of horror that I've never <laughs> seen, uh, and I found what is still today I pretty much consider my favorite movie of all time, which is um, Dario Argento's nineteen seventy seven film Suspiria. Um, Suspiria is such like a simple plot. But it's such an engaging movie because of the way it looks and its use of colors. And um, it's kind of like it's a 70s horror movie. And also it's it's giallo adjacent. So it's pretty goofy and like, I don't know, silly in parts, the horror. But even with how kind of kind of wacky it is, it's really impactful. And I'm not going to spoil the movie, but the cold open kill which every horror movie has is really really impactful in that movie um and so like watching that and seeing the use of like neon colors in horror something that is bright and like would be associated with happiness yellows and bright reds and purples and greens being used to like freak you out was was awesome to me and i still think about that movie i watch it all the time all right, I just have to add something for the listeners. Listeners, you can't see him right now, but the way this kid is lighting up, like in his face, just talking about this movie, the way that he is lighting up is exactly why I wanted to do this episode because it shows me, and like it would if you could see it, shows why it's important to talk about this because it shows what movies unlock in people and like how much you care when there's one that you actually really super resonate with. And I would love to hear anyone else uh, out there. I'm sure I'll mention this at the end of the episode too, but like if you have my number and there's a movie you feel that way about or what, that would be like why you love watching movies, text me uh, if you're a friend. Uh, if you're not a friend uh, or someone I don't know yet, just message our, our Instagram, not the final cut. I'll probably mention that again at the end of the episode. But again, I think it's just, it's cool to watch Sam's facial expressions when he talks about Suspiria because I know he loves that one. I, I Yeah, it's really like... Thinking about that movie makes me happy. Yeah, totally. it's it's really wild what like art can do. And the next one I'm going to keep going kind of chronologically. Uh, I took a film class, as every movie fan does, their freshman year of college, freshman freshman sophomore. <laughs> the, the the obviously you do it, um, and it was the first time I ever really saw German expressionism. Uh, I knew about Nosferatu, um, but I had never seen it. But that's actually not the movie I'm going to be talking about. Uh, I had never heard of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. And watching that movie in that class 
and like the sets, the set designs, the paint that's done. I think it was the first silent film I had ever seen. I thought that was really, really cool. And now that's a, a genre that I'm a, a massive fan of. Uh, and I just think it's like an, an interesting way to do art uh, in the past where it's like, there's not going to be CGI or whatever. So like the face paint's really cool. And they have these like cardboard buildings or wood buildings or whatever uh, in the background. I, I just really love that movie. Very nice. Yeah, I, uh, I I think everyone, if you've taken any level film class, will watch The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it's is very cool. I th- I could see how like it's, I mean, it's kind of like hokey to a point, it, like mm-hmm. watching it from the modern perspective. But you could see how it was like pretty freaky for yeah. someone watching it when it was released. I also I missed I'm because I I'm moving like down a page here, but I have something that's at the top. So I actually do also have three. Oh, okay. I can go again. And actually kind of on theme with not so much like silent. I mean, I've watched my share of Chaplin stuff that didn't, honestly didn't do as much for me in, in mm-hmm. film classes. Um, I thought they were funny. I thought it was it was cool how much I could laugh when watching something silent. But two movies that are in that kind of older realm of still black and white before we even got color cinema. And I mean, I could talk about Hitchcock with rear window once we're in the color world and that's still kind of older, but I'm going to even predating that. Obviously, you know how I feel about Casablanca with mm-hmm. writing. I mean, I would say the writing and that's also phenomenal. Um, I, I know you, you don't even have to tell me you disagree. I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then also, have you ever seen Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? I watched that in my I've freshman not. year class. And that one was like, I love Jimmy Stewart. I feel like mm-hmm. I watched the Philadelphia story with him. He's in Rear Window. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful life. That's, that's a classic Christmas one that people would know him from. But Jimmy Stewart is just such a fun guy to watch on screen, especially in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And I wanted to identify those two movies as just kind of, again, how we talked about international opening us up to like a whole new world of movies and uh, Bong Joon-ho. Um, he famously said in his acceptance speech at the Oscars, when you get past like that small line of text, you really unlock yourself to a new world of cinema. That, like we talked about with international, I feel like is the same way if you get past like, oh, that's old, that's black and white. I don't need to watch that. There's so much content now. Like, there's a truly great world. Like there's a reason these movies are called like classics mm-hmm. and even some that aren't some that kind of flew like fly into the radar right now, but they were, you know, higher profile movies when there was so much less content and that's what was being released. I just think that's something people shut themselves off to. That they really shouldn't. I, uh, I really love his Oscar speech and particularly Perfect. that line. Yeah. Um, I use that. I, I don't quote it exactly because I can't remember it, but I use that idea when I'm trying to convince people to watch foreign language films all the time, because I'm like the idea that like the greatest artists would only be English, English speaking is stupid. It's ridiculous. There's going to be so many amazing things that like, just, I don't know, just read it. Yeah. (laughs) It's not that hard to read short films too. short Mm -hmm. films in English or short films that are also international. I mean, those are also incredible and they're so easy to watch because they're short. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to quickly mention that. And that also, again, even though we're doing this kind of a different way, we're building off each other, I think pretty nice here. Uh, if you want to take, take your next one. Yeah. Uh, I, if I were a better podcast, I would have talked about this after you talked about shots, but, um, uh, the next one I was going to talk about is blowout. Um, I've talked about oh, yeah. on this podcast, I'm sure. Uh, Brian De Palma's 
style, and I think it was the first Brian De Palma movie I ever saw, is so distinct. And he does a lot of very kind of out there things. He does split screens and split diopter shots. And like, I don't know, he, he, he has a really distinct style. And a lot of people like take from it because it's it's so cool to, to see. And Blowout, when I watched it, the that distinct visual style and then also because it's a movie about sound it inherently has to be really great sound mixing um i i was blown away by the technical filmmaking in that movie pun, I, pun intended yeah yeah exactly blown away by blowout very nice that is uh and that was was that the I know there's two movies that you've mentioned uh, before. It's is that... the remake. It's a remake oh, of Blow Up, which Blow is up. I can't remember the director. But... And quickly, you when you've talked about this before, I've asked you, have you since I've mentioned it watched the conversation? I still haven't. I still need to. It, it, I I'm Francis, I will. Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> yeah, I will get to that at some point. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got to keep that one on your list because again, it's it's very much along the same same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I'll shift shift gears a little bit here. Uh, I think this is probably the one thing that gets me the most in movies, and it's character and just the act, the performance. And I think we we've talked about this before. You know how much I value like the performance mo- over most anything else, and I'm able to. I think I'm I'm pretty like I empathize easily, and that's why I, like I cry at a lot of movies and and whatnot. Like I really feel sucked in when i'm watching something so when you when there's an actor that puts together a really gripping performance and again this list is almost unfair i can name a million performances that i really grip me but i thought one that lies above all the rest this is gonna sound like maybe and whatever to anyone else but tom hanks and forrest gump to be honest just because of the all-encompassing nature of that character and how much his innocence love all that makes you feel throughout that entire movie of his whole and it's like a character study really is the whole movie because it's going through his whole life i think just really pulls you in in a way that no other film has and that's why it's a movie that's very high on my list of movies probably in my top five is just solely because of the character that's built yeah and then again i tried to think of these quickly so i didn't put too much deep thought but i thought of rocky and the pursuit of happiness Oddly enough, it both jumps into my head. I think Will Smith's performance as Chris Gardner, especially because that's a true story, yeah. is one that that sits with you. Um, and again, that's a tearjerker. I mean, but whether it's him alone or the relationship between him and his son, the characters and their relationships in that movie is just something that will certainly pull some degree of emotion from you and make you f- leave the theater or your couch feeling a little bit differently about the world uh your own privileges and and just just life in general and then just to talk about rocky i mean that to me was the first time i ever saw like true like determination i think sylvester sloan's performance is incredible again there's a softer side to this like a very physical nature in this movie i think oftentimes because the franchise has become so big and i love the whole franchise but because it's become so big, Rocky, and even more narrowly or on a microscopic level, Sylvester Stallone's performance specifically can get lost in the sauce of how like cheesy some parts of like Rocky Four, Rocky Five, or just how bad Rocky Five is. But 
that's a really awesome performance and also awesome writing if you if you haven't seen the original rocky please go watch that i mean i promise it'll it'll do something for you so next i want to talk about mirror andrea tarkovsky's mirror i watched this all things considered recently uh i think it was 2021 that i saw it but it was and I'm going to get into this with my last one because you remind me of stuff. I'm I'm a little bit of a I'm a little bit of a cold shell. I'm not I'm not super like mushy. Uh, Mirror is an interesting movie because it got me to introspect afterwards. Uh, it's it's a movie that's inherently about I guess like not life's worth per se, but it's. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a it's a movie about a man on his deathbed looking back on his life, and you see his life in in vignettes in different eras. Oh wow! That's, and I'd love to watch that. Oh, it's really good. I've not um, I've not seen this film. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but the the idea of watching something and thinking about does life have a purpose, or is it just like a series of events that you go through? Uh, with whichever answer you come to can you be content with that? Cause maybe not everything needs a purpose to, to be fulfilling. Uh, and the, like it kind of, I guess I was thinking about the, uh, I'm no philosopher, but the, the Camus, we must imagine Sisyphus happy. It's about My the eyebrow absurdity. is touching the ceiling. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Some people will know. Um, <laughs> We, we must imagine Sisyphus happy. Sisyphus is a Greek myth about uh, a guy who's in hell or Tartarus or whatever. Okay, and he's okay. rolling a rock uphill and it'll roll back down the hill at the end of the day. And so his job is pointless. But if you imagine him happy with his job, the absurdity of doing it every day doesn't matter because the fulfillment is in the work. And so like thinking about that stuff after watching a movie is crazy to me that's 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 wild that's crazy it's it's beautiful yes is what it is exactly and like how much i like laid awake the night after i watched that movie and i was thinking about <laughs> my life and what's important to me is uh, crazy i have been there sam i have been there after a movie or other but yeah i mean i've definitely watched quite a few uh movies. i'm sure you have many more besides that mm-hmm. one too that have that have done that for you um one one of those for me is actually in my uh in my last list here but oh, we're so good yeah is is that uh your uh your yeah. last one there okay so this category is called overall basically i picked three movies that i think do all the shit that i just talked about the best or like mm-hmm. the best in, in, in my eyes or truly made me love movies on the sheer fact of everything they had in them. I'm just going to name two briefly and talk mainly about one of them. The Dark Knight, The Social Network, and Interstellar. Uh, the Dark Knight, obviously, character, Joker, writing, incredible. I mean, that I think I talked about in our endings episode, the last scene, mm-hmm. great, perfectly written. Uh, the Social Network is like a whole study on the human condition, again, uh, as well as just like the development of Facebook. But Fincher with the shots, the colors, and we've, I, I think you and I could both talk about those two movies for a while. I think Absolutely. I've just watched, I just saw your, your rewatch social network review on Letterboxd. I thought that was cool. 
-hmm. similar to how I mentioned stuff earlier about like when you watch it a second time or like in an older, when you're older, it it means something different. Um, But to talk on Interstellar for a second, what you just talked about with wondering about what life is. And for me, everything, I think I love this movie for a couple of reasons, but one is that I'm a science person. So I think all the the fact that Nolan based a lot of that stuff in scientific fact and the fact that he released an image of a black hole before we got our first actual image of a black hole, like Mm -hmm. as a society, and it was dead on accurate. It's so impressive to me. But then to dig a little bit deeper, again, with the meaning and how you feel afterwards, I think there's a lot in this movie about what it is to be a father and I think they hit the theme of love in a more unique way and also more captivating way than any movie that is literally about love ever could dream to mm-hmm. by like tying it to the fabric of life and, and how we live and what we're here for. I think that is incredible. And the way they, and they kind of look at it with fatherhood and that hits with me a little bit different. Cause you know, obviously we're entering kind of that phase of life, so like not mm-hmm. too far in the distant in, in the future. Um, yeah, I think that's just that's so impactful to think also whether you're seeing it in the shots, how physically small we are, like some of those real panned out shots where it's like a ship next to planets or this or that. But then also just matter of factly how small we are in this vast universe and like what that means for our lives. What else is out there? I mean, there's just so many things that you're left thinking about after this movie and it it goes beyond just space like i'm a big space guy to begin with but then you talk about being like a five-dimensional being and talking about time and being able to access time the same way we we access 3d spaces like all of those incredibly grandiose concepts of science and to a get a lot of the foundations of that right and then dramatize it to a point where there's not a second of that movie that's not super captivating Mm-hmm. it's just incredible i mean yeah. it just it, it it pulls it pulls me in in a way that no movie i think ever could and i would absolutely feel at liberty to call it my favorite movie ever yeah and i and i think i wouldn't change that answer <laughs> absolutely uh and oh, just like like we were born for this it that does tie into the thing that i just thought beautiful of. it's beautiful. amazing uh, that I'm I'm going to be going off the dome, but uh, you reminded me of it with your last one talking about it, and then this I think ties in perfectly because you talk you're talking about uh, love and like uh, uh, relationships and whatnot. Wait, let me guess. Um, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. All right, go ahead. The one where they put the thing in the mud. Yes, and, that's, that's yes. exactly. It's uh, in the mood for love, and pretty much every Wong Kar Wai film. Um, I am like i don't know i'm trying to say this in a way it doesn't make me sound like a like a freak but i'm not like amazing at dealing with or uh expressing feelings and interpersonal relationships and so i never really got movies that are about like interpersonal relationships very well in the mood for love and chunking express are the movies that like clicked it for me the way the witch clicked horror for me in suspense those are the movies that clicked that in my brain where i was like i get the appeal of this and it makes me want to like 
oh, go out and meet people or whatever. I don't know. It was, it's a, it's a really interesting, really cool experience to, to see that and be like, oh, I think this is like affecting my life. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's really awesome to hear. I mean, that's, yeah, that's just, that's so cool. But again, here is just a example of art unlocking emotion, which is exactly the goal. I think that's what a lot of people miss when they say, like, oh, I'm just, oh, it was okay. It was good. Like, yeah. Come on, give me what did you feel? Like, yeah. what did you feel? Or how how is your life different because you watched it? And I think that truly all technical things aside, that to me is what makes a great movie versus like good movies is is how I feel on the other end of it. Mm-hmm. Usually, like, and if you look at like my letterbox, that's kind of what I judge stuff on. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. Oftentimes, that correlates with a lot of the technicals being there as well, but sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, uh, Wong Kar Wai. I'd be I'd be remiss to not mention uh, his visual style is like unbelievable. So like it's it's I think that these people that can write things like that are just geniuses. Yeah, just and special. so they have that skill to do visual spectacular visuals, spectacular sound, but also spectacular like writing and and emotion and whatnot. Yeah. For sure. I, did, I can't even add to that. You hit the nail right on the head. I think I can, uh, if that's all you got, I mean, that's that's my love letter to movies. And that is why just those are just a few of many movies that make me, that they are the reasons why I love movies. I mean, mm-hmm. I could go on and on. And like another thing, like, actually, I just thought of this. Have you ever, have you ever seen, I know you're not a big award show guy and you're like, I, I'm not either, but I love watching the Oscars. It's like the only one. Have you seen is the 87th Oscars like the year of Whiplash and and um Foxcatcher? You remember that year? Neil Patrick uh, Harris. I definitely it. watched that Oscars. I don't know if I remember any of it, so, but I yeah, definitely so watched it. American Sniper. Neil mm-hmm. Patrick Harris um hosted that year. And he opened with like a little musical number that was literally just an ode to film and cinema. Mm-hmm. And I like it's kind of there's parts of it that are kind of cheesy, but it's really good. I mean, it's it's yeah. It's like wow, yeah. That's that's kind of why we why we like this stuff so much. It was, it was pretty awesome. Um, so I'd recommend giving that a look on on YouTube, you or anybody else. Um, but besides that, any, anything else, Sam? No, I'm done. All right, Chief. Well, I uh, I would just say one more time again, if you uh, if you want to add to this discussion a little bit, and you're and you're someone who knows me, has my number, give me a text. If not. Hop on over to Instagram, message, uh, not the final cut. Uh, I think no no capitals, no spaces, no underscores, nothing like that. Just not the final cut. And uh, let us know your thoughts. Let us know comments on stuff that we mentioned, stuff that you love, what makes you love watching movies so much, anything like that. Shoot us a DM. We'll see you guys next time.